0: This episode is sponsored by UMSO, the website builder for startups. So I work with startups. So when I needed to build my own website, I decided to try UMSO. I needed something that was polished yet super easy because I'm not a developer and that didn't break the bank. And I've been with them ever since. Beyond my homepage, I've built out my blog, my podcast page, and my pricing page. Highly recommend UMSO to get your website off the ground. Visit umso.com slash MSM to learn more and use the code MSM20 for a 20% discount on your first three months.
1: We are going to be introducing a PLG motion. And, you know, it's interesting. I just went through, I think it was battery. Battery just put together a big state of cloud 45 slides of everything state of cloud and they went in to go to market. And one of the things that they said is the most successful companies do have a mix of typical inbound, outbound and product led. And so I'm really excited about this because I think today, you know, people want to test drive the car. You wouldn't drive a car without test driving it, right? So so bringing our product experience forward and, you know, we believe in our product. So allowing companies to try it and and love it. And then, you know, that becomes a, a source of an intent signal, essentially, a new intent signal that will get added to our mix. If you're looking to up your startup marketing game, you're in the right place.
0: This podcast will help you simplify, prioritize, and see big wins from your marketing efforts. Every week, you'll hear from some of the world's best venture-backed startup founders, marketing leaders, and startup experts about marketing, brand, growth, what's working well, challenges, and how crazy and fun marketing can be when you're at a high-growth startup. See ya inside. Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh, how excited am I to kick off this episode? I have Latney Conant back on the show must have done something right last time because she's back to chat more with me. She's CMO at Six Sense. She's been there for over four years. And if you want, you can check out episode 116 where I chatted with her, where we dig into how you're running no forms, no spam, and no cold calls at Six Sense and how that's working out fabulously for you. And I think a lot of the uh, marketers and even founders want to hear about
1: you know how that's, that's working out for you guys. So Thank you for joining me. It's so nice to be here, Anna. And I can't believe we're neighbors. Next time we'll have to do it together. I mean, what a small world. This is just like blows my
0: mind. I basically, for those that people that are listening in and are curious about this, what like, what do you mean your neighbors? I go to the Trader Joe's that is in Latinese neighborhood, which is like, wow, I had no idea. So maybe we'll bump into each other. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Okay. So, Latney, prior you held sales and marketing leadership roles at Aperio. It's a B2B SaaS, um, and it raised $111.7 million in funding. And you're pretty busy. I mean, today you were speaking to folks in EMEA, right? You you wrote a book. It's called No Forms, No Spam, No Cold Calls. You've written out a new edition. It's out now. So we'll talk a little bit about
1: that. So you've been pretty busy. Yes, I I like to keep a full calendar. You know what I mean? It's this it's what keeps the energy going. And you know what they say? You want something done, you give it to a busy person. True that's a great
0: saying. <laughs> um, so let me just intro Six Sense real quick. So for those that um, haven't heard of Sixth Sense, founded in 2013, a 1,000-plus people based out of San Francisco. They've raised Series E funding, $200 million total. And a quick description, you can't guess your way to quote up. For sales and marketing teams, Six Sense uses AI, to capture anonymous buying signals, targets the right accounts at the ideal time and recommends the channels and messages to boost revenue performance. We'll talk a little bit about how I want to make sure we, you know, we include that in how you're doing some cool things with AI and with email, so we'll include that. But first, I want to kick it off and ask you about the book. It's a new edition.
1: What did you change? So, second edition and I would say the big changes are we got a lot of feedback that it's my voice, and this is a sales and marketing transformation. What did sales think? What did your head of sales think when you were up to all these shenanigans? And so I added a chapter from Mark, who is our head of sales, and his his perspective, uh, which people were really wanting. And then, you know, the original book was out to some years. And in two years, talking to customers that have implemented it, I, I realized there were some areas that maybe we hadn't dug deep enough, questions that keep coming up that tell me more about this. And so I just did a little roundup of kind of a bonus chapter of this is the stuff that everyone keeps asking about, and here here's how to think about it. So, and then, of course, Wiley is helping us with international distribution. We were really struggling in a self-published world to do a nice job internationally, which is uh, important. so so that's the second edition. And it's been going amazing, which is great.
0: Amazing. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that you'd get that feedback. You want to hear from the head of sales. like what? So anything that you can um, kind of give like a little teaser, what did the head of sales think of all your shenanigans?
1: Well, if you think about it, a sales leader, one of the most important things they need to do is protect their team's time. The only asset a frontline seller has is their time and how they choose to use it. And so ultimately, you know, when you get into the book, you see that the methodology that we propose is all about prioritization. And it's all about making sure that sales is working the absolute best accounts and contacts and has the data and insight to work those accounts and contact, contacts in a highly relevant way. Because today there's so much noise so, you know, how do we help them stand out from everyone else? And so when you peel back the snazzy name, and I explain it like that, you can see why a sales leader is like, yeah, this is awesome. The other thing, you know, I think that resonates when we talk to sales and, and when we interview sales leaders who are using this approach is it's sort of like Moneyball, right? That, that movie was all about a team that couldn't spend a ton of money. They had to work a lot smarter You know, they had to really use math and statistics to figure out how do we win runs and how do we ultimately, you know, win the game but do it in a much different way and how we scout talent. And this is a lot about what this approach is about. It's about using statistics, using data, using insights to get at-bats and those at-bats add up to a winning strategy.
0: No, I can see how when you, I think in the first podcast session we had you had talked about how that meeting you had with Mark and you're like listen I want to try this out I want to do the no cold calls thing I want to do the no spam I want to do the no forms and I think I remember he was like
1: "Mm, not sure about it right to begin his umbrage was you know no forms they they're kind of like okay Whatever, that's your world. (laughs) Don't care. You know. I mean, I think someone was there. Are we still going to get leads? And it's like, yes. You know. And the the reality is, so here's how I would combat each one. No forms. Here's the thing: three percent of website visitors fill out a form. Three percent. Whether you gate or don't gate. So you can put all of your content and gate it. 3% of your visitors are going to fill out a form. Or you can get them learn- to learn and engage. And then they'll fill out a form. But the form will be contact us, request a demo, those high-value CTAs. So do we have absolutely no forms? No. We just don't gate our educational content. Right? So if you want a demo, you want to get in touch with us, if you want to chat through our Drift bot, there are ways to kind of have that traditional quote unquote inbound. So that's that piece. The no spam, it's not that we don't email, right? It's that we want to be highly relevant in in our email because I think a lot of times the perception is email is free and it's not free. It's not free because if you get an unsubscribe, if you tick somebody off, you've there's this inherent damage and there are the, all these debits in this ledger of spam that I think sometimes people don't really understand, thinking that it's just free to send out, send out, send out. And there is a cost to acquire contacts. So you need to use use that channel wisely. And the same thing goes for a call.
0: Yeah. Talk about the cold calls. When you told Mark, no cold calls, what did Mark say? And what do you mean by that?
1: You know, he... he was a BDR originally. That's how he started his career. And it was pure grind, come in, make as many dials as you can mentality. And that made him the professional salesperson that he is today. And he's an awesome salesperson and he's an awesome head of sales. So I think there was almost like a fraternal bond that he felt was going to be missing (laughs) with people going through the bullpen calling and so I had to explain, we, we're going to obviously still have a thriving culture, but, and people will still be on calls, but it's about those four factors of relevance. And so what's interesting is I actually was just in New York with our BDR team making calls myself and working with them on calls and working with prepping for a good call, right? So we would go through those four factors of relevance. And then, you know, these are warm calls because it's not somebody who's not interested at all. And so that's the difference. And and why is that important? Because, again, just like salespeople, the only asset is their time. It's the same with a BDR. And while maybe from a cost perspective, you know, the cost per hour is not ex- as expensive as maybe an enterprise AE, it still adds up and it's still expensive. And so you want to make sure that their time is used wisely. And so, you know, that's it. It's like it's making sure they have a really productive day that's highly relevant and, and that's going to be a good brand experience for our prospects.
0: Wonderful. Okay. So if people check out, if you haven't read the book yet, no forms, no spam, no cold calls, get the new edition and you can find out more there from both the marketing perspective and also the sales perspective, which is really fascinating. Let's talk about your 2023 marketing plan um, at Sixth Sense. So, you know, there's, um, sort of a downturn happening in 2023. And I don't want to get into it because I'm a positive thinking person and I don't think it makes sense to talk about like what's going to happen. Nobody knows it's going to happen. Right. But it's important to prepare for that. So where are you putting your dollars in 2023 from a marketing planning perspective? Maybe you could talk talk about that a little bit.
1: I would say what we're doing is we're trying to focus. I think we were pretty focused before, but we're redoubling down on, on focus and doing that in a number of ways. And so the first way is we've always done kind of an ROI for our big programs, and it's not Crazy math, right? It's it's we do one on sourced, one on influenced pipeline versus the cost, pure program cost. You know, I'm not adding up, you know, how much time it took to 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 pull it off. But you know, for our big events and stuff, we use that. But we've done more due diligence this year and really stack ranking them, and then forcing people to cut. You think about a forest, new new life, new things can't grow. When you keep around these these, you know, sometimes the big programs that that maybe aren't still serving you. So we're just we're we're forcing everyone to cut some things to allow us to continue to experiment. And so that's that's the the I would say the the big takeaway is just a lot more rigor around prioritization um, and how we think about prioritizing our time. Because, you know, I mean, I've talked a lot about that's like my buzzword. This 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 episode is is prioritization and focus.
0: Absolutely. And so can you speak to a little bit like where are you going to focus? Where are you after doing this exercise, like the, the looking at the ROI for big programs, redoubling down where things are working, stack ranking, ranking things like having people make decisions. Right. Like, let's decide. Do we keep that in? Do we take it out? We need to decide now where are you going to to stay?
1: We have a very successful outbound motion. However, what we're seeing is just like there's inflation at the grocery store at our Trader Joe's, (laughs) we see inflation in getting a deal done. So it's more personas needed. It's more activities per stage, and we need to be multi-threading, we need to be doing more activities to like keep up with this inflation, but I don't want to add exponentially more BDRs. We want to keep our cost basis the same. So probably our biggest bet this year is going to be around conversational email, and so every single BDR will be supported by an AI assistant. And the AI assistant will help craft and respond to emails, will help keep emails going if they're out of the office or, you know, working on something else. The AI assistant knows how to pull somebody else in. So Anna, if you say, I'm not the right person, Joe is, the AI assistant knows, okay, I'll go email Joe and you know understand it can do calendar math it can set appointments so a lot of the kind of just administration of getting appointments booked we're going to be using this essentially ai to support every single one of our bdrs which we believe will allow them to spend more time on the phone like talking to prospects more time multi-threading more time you know creating unique content to help our mobilizers. You know, the biggest difference for us between a stage one, which is a meeting and a stage two, which is pipeline is having a mobilizer. And so, you know, we, we have this concept of a mobilizer strike kit. So giving the mobilizer what they need to mobilize. And so, and so these is the, the, we're really bullish on the assistance. We've done quite a few pilots and they have been absolutely phenomenal. And so the goal is to meet our plan which is double over the course of the year with the same headcount. Doing more with the same. (laughs) That's my next, you know, that's the next Project Bold Moves, right? That's really interesting. I think so too. You know, and there's things like Jasper. And I mean, there's a lot going on in the world of AI that, you know, needs to be explored. What's the AI assistant that you're using? Can you say? It's our own product. We just launched it. We launched it about four months ago.
0: That's really cool. Okay. So that's ammunition right there, like to power your product. And also you're using it and it's working for you. And that's going to be really cool. What can you talk about related to marketing and marketing channels that you're planning to like double down on this for next year?
1: We are going to be introducing a PLG motion you know, it's interesting. I just went through, I think it was Battery. Battery just put together a big state of cloud, 45 slides of everything state of cloud, and they went in to go to market. And one of the things that they said is the most successful companies do have a mix of typical inbound, outbound, and product-led. And so I'm really excited about this because I think today... You know, people want to test drive the car. You wouldn't drive a car without test driving it, right? So so bringing our product experience forward and, you know, we believe in our product. So allowing companies to try it and, and love it. And then, um, you know, that becomes a source of an intent signal, essentially, a new intent signal that will get added to our mix. So that's a big initiative for us. And it launches in late February, early March.
0: Can you talk to like what you're doing for that PLG motion? Are you creating interactive demo? Are you actually creating like a subsection of your product where you just make it usable and free, but not the whole thing?
1: Yeah. So we've done interactive demo and we've done demo. So this is interesting. We tested a six minute video demo in addition to the request demo. And you would think if they see the six minute, maybe they won't request a demo. And we have 20% more request demos with the teaser. Anyway, sidebar. And then we have something called an in-market demand report already, which allows people to say, tell me who's in market for what I do. We, we get keywords, we create an instance for them, and then we send them like the top 100 accounts that are in market for what they do. A little bit manual though, You know, it's it's sort of like a it gives them a product snack, but it's not it's not like if you talk to a a head of engineering, they would not call that PLG, right? It's it's PLG light. So what what we're launching in end of February, March is true PLG. It is a product. It will allow you to have access to our contact data. It will allow you to have access to some of our firmographic, demographic data. So basically a lighter version of our sales intelligence application that frontline teams can can start using and start getting value from you know, tomorrow. And we're going to be launching that in conjunction with our BDR Appreciation Week. So it should, be, it should be exciting.
0: Very cool. Okay. This is not the first time I've spoken to a company that is focused on that, that was not focused on that before. So that's definitely come up. It's definitely an insight and a trend and something that people are trying to change going into 2023. And I find that fascinating, but also it makes sense. It's kind of common sense. Like you said, people want to test drive the car. So give them that option. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, $10 a month or, $50,000 $50,000 a year or whatever it is, right? They still want to be able to test drive. And I think that helps spur along that decision versus holding them back.
1: Yeah. A brilliant marketer, Kevin Marasco, described it as a snack. And you know how sometimes like someone says something and you're like, Pachow. that was one of those moments for me. I'm like, yes, who doesn't love a snack? Everyone <laughs> loves a snack, you know? Go to Trader Joe's for your snack. Yes. So I would say if you're, and I think some people say, well, our product's not set up for that. Think about how you create a snack, even if it's not a true product, 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 right? Our highest value CTA is that in market demand report, which is basically a product snack. Like that has performed, that consistently performs for us. So that would be my recommendation is challenge yourself to come up with a snack, even if it's not like true product, you know? Could be a salty snack, could be a sweet snack, Just create a <laughs> snack
0: for goodness sake. People love snacks. Okay. I love that. And I wanted to ask you about pipeline because you talked about, you know, when I asked you what what are you leaning into? And also even before that, um, I think you mentioned like in sourced pipeline, influence pipeline, like where you're focusing your efforts, looking at the ROI. How do you measure pipeline? Like, do you do this whole marketing sourced versus sales sourced? Does it matter? What happens if you do it that way? Why don't you do it that way? I just want to talk about that for a bit.
1: Yeah. So I believe my role and my team's role is to be the stewards of overall pipeline. And so what we track and report out and diligently champion is making sure that every month we hit our pipeline creation goals come hell or high water. And that could be that it's marketing sourced. It could be that we run a spiff and we do a big, you know, spiff for the AE team. And so what I think that does is it creates a ton of alignment across all of us to just, we just need to hit the pipeline goal. Now, then, some people will say, "Well, then there's no accountability and et cetera, et cetera." And the reality is, we do allocate expectations by channel because they they operate a little bit differently, and depending on the segment where the pipeline comes from, is going to be a little bit different. So, you think about a velocity or like a commercial segment, it is going to be a lot a primarily an inbound hand raiser, right? You think about strat. Strat is not going to have a lot of inbound hand raisers. You know, it's going to be outbound. It's going to be, you know, named accounts. What's Strat? Strategic. So think about over 10,000 employees, companies, right? So we look at our own historical, how we've generated pipeline to to create the expectations, as well as like where we're going and where we're making investments. But then we also look at how those companies buy, you know and and typical buying patterns for for that segment of accounts to come up with you know how we think the best way to hit the pipeline goal is going to be and then you know we're also looking at asp's win rates and cycle times by segment and by channel because those are critical like if if our pipeline if we need to create 100 million in pipeline this month and we assume a 40% win rate and then our win rates drop to 30 Rutro, a hundred million might not be enough pipeline. So we have this like kind of balanced scorecard that we're always monitoring to say, are we creating enough pipeline? And is it closing the way that we want to? And if not, what kind of programs do we need to spin up mutually to fix these problems?
0: Hey, it's Anna, the host of Modern Startup Marketing, the show that you're listening to. I'm also the founder of Firminov Marketing Consulting. People call me the Marie Kondo of startup marketing because I help early stage startups clean up their marketing mess with the right strategy and execute with laser focus. Just wanted to let you know that you can get a marketing audit and custom roadmap to help you start seeing more traction from your marketing efforts. To learn more, go to firmanovmarketingcom slash pricing. And now back to this episode. Do you ever run into a situation where uh-oh, we're not going to hit our, num- our pipeline numbers. We're struggling. So like marketing, can you just go and do some, s- like help sales? Like I know you were spending a lot of time on marketing stuff and it was more like long-term, strategic, right? You know, creating demand, maybe top of funnel, right? Which is also important. But now we want you to stop prioritizing that and just go help sales because we got to hit our number. Do you ever run into that? What do you think about that?
1: I think what you're talking about is we're short. Go pull a rabbit out of your hat and let's run a play to get a bunch of pipeline. And, you know, I don't want to sound cavalier, but that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If there was (laughs) something, you know, if there was something I could pull out of nowhere and do to create a lot of pipeline, Lord knows I'd be doing it. Right. And so, I think for us, because the goal, the pipeline generation goals are so visible and the team is literally refreshing them seven or eight times a day, like there is no, nobody's mistaking that the goal is not to create pipeline, right? And because of the way we track it on a weekly and then overall monthly basis, it does give us time. So if we have a bad month, for example, we can start to inspect that bad month and say, okay, what happened this month? What do we need to do next month? You know, how do we close the gap on the, on an overall quarterly basis? You know, so those are some of the things that we're doing, but, you know, I think it's really hard once you're in quarter to create pipeline for that quarter. I mean, and, and maybe that's just because unless you're like a 10 day close situation. But if you're B2B and you have decently long cycle times and stuff, which is why my method I think is so important because I'm stressing the the pipeline we're creating right now is for Q1 and Q2. So I'm stressing about Q1 and Q2. There's not a whole lot I can do about Q4. Q4 I stressed about in Q2 and Q3 of this year. You know what I mean? And Mark's stressing about closing out this quarter. And we I mean, and we do we do know about thirty percent of our pipeline comes in and closes in the quarter. And we've tried to run plays to and maybe it's thirty-one percent that, but it there's not that much you can do. You know, a cycle is a cycle. So it's about future proofing for me and worrying a couple quarters out so that you don't have that situation.
0: You can't pull a rabbit out of a hat. I mean, you can if you're a magician, but not if you're a marketer. <laughs> Great. Okay, so let's kind of step back. I know we've, talking, we've been talking about pipeline and marketing source and channels and stuff. Let's just talk a little bit about creative ideas. Can you tell me about one or two really good creative marketing ideas that you or your team has come up with and maybe uh, like how it's been going and what has been the impact?
1: So I'll do one that's kind of, creative in that it works, and then I'll do one that really is more creative, creative. So I'm a big believer in technographic data because people typically buy an ecosystem for an ecosystem. If they have a problem, there's typically an ecosystem of products or services that they're going to buy. And so we've looked a lot at our technographic data and and our wind patterns to say, for example, if you have sales loft or outreach, you probably need Sixth Sense. And so then using that data to spin off these better together campaigns where, you know, if we know you're on those product lines, we want to make sure you get introduced to to Sixth Sense. And so those, those are just kind of, I would say smart. They're creative because they're smart and they work. More of the creative creative is, you know, I think that in times When the market changes, your message most likely needs to change. And so we spent a lot of time. Our customer conference was like right when everything was starting to get real chaotic. And we spent a long time being like, okay, do we go back to COVID in these uncertain times? Like no one wants that, you know? (laughs) And do more with less. Well, I know that's what we're supposed to do. We sell to marketers. That doesn't sound very inspiring. (laughs) You know, (laughs) sounds terrible. So we came up with the campaign Proceed with Confidence. And we really thought a lot about confidence. And we've been running a big campaign on, on confidence. And, you know, all the way down to... You know, how to confidently send a good email, right, to very tactical, to very high-level inspiring. And we actually went out and took pictures of our customers doing something that made them feel confident. So some were at a beach, some were with their kids, and the ads are all beautiful and, you know, have real customers feeling confident. And so that's been Very, you know, people have loved that. We've gotten people really attached to proceed with confidence. And that's our kind of high level pillar campaign right now. I like
0: that. It's definitely different from the do more with less. Like we all are trying to do more with less, but you almost don't want to talk about it yet again. Right. And it doesn't evoke emotion like the proceed with confidence. Confidence is an emotion. And you're showing these people on the beach with their kids. How does that tie into six? Can you explain how that ties into six cents? And does that tie it back into like your time?
1: Yeah. It, ha, confidently use your time. Feel confident for this outreach. Be be confident that every dollar you spend is hitting the right accounts and contacts. You know, our our overall tagline is um know everything do anything right so it really ties back to that if you have the data and the insights you can be confident right if if you know your ideal customer profile if you know who's in market within your ideal customer profile if you can confidently track pipeline if you can you know be confident in your database and that you have the right accounts and contacts in your database like that's what we feel the source of the confidence is and then it expresses itself in different ways.
0: That's so great. That is the creative creative. I think creative in that it works is also good. And you know, you have those better together campaigns. it's they're smart. They work. but it's it's a little different from like that creative that evokes the feeling versus the logical. It's more logical to like if you use that, it's logical to also use six sense, right? So it's just a different way to approach creative. Awesome. Okay. So great. We talked about confidence, but what are your top marketing challenges right now? If we can chat a little bit about that.
1: I think it's a very challenging time for teams. And a lot of people got hired during the pandemic And now we're coming out of the pandemic, but we're trying to be really mindful of costs. So it's not like we're getting people together all the time, which I think people are craving. We're hybrid slash almost all remote. And I think there was this expectation coming out of COVID that it was like, oh, thank God it's done. And like, we're going to be able to live our best life. And then we were hit with this economic situation. And so I worry about like the team and like, how do we stay enthused? I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that, and, and that's not just a marketing thing. I think that's just across, you know, the tech industry, keeping people fired up because it, it still is exciting. We have a super bright future. We're doing amazing things, but I think that's my biggest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The biggest challenge is usually people, right? Isn't
1: that always the case? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. You know, and, I, and and if you talk to me, you know, probably when we did the episode a while, I said, you know, I can't find good people, right? It like, so it's like always something, you know, it's like the hi- hiring is my, my biggest challenge. I mean, I do feel like we have the best team in the industry to the marketer. I just, you know, you want to keep people pumped.
0: How are you thinking about doing that? I mean, the fact that you you want to keep people pumped. Is it your job to keep people pumped? Like in a way, it, maybe it is because you're, you know, le- leadership is what you, where you get some, a lot of that enthusiasm from, you get pumped from, but how are you thinking about solving that for that challenge? And where do you kind of draw the line? Like, sorry, I can't really make you enthusiastic about the tech. Like you have to, you have to find it from within as well.
1: Yeah. So I have a saying, you got to want to at home with my boys. I'm like, I can buy you new soccer shoes. I can get a goal in the backyard and you can, for you to practice, I can get you extra coaching, but like, you got to want to, you got to want to play soccer and put the time in. Right. So it does start with, you got to want to. And I think that That is an important criteria of the team that you build is you need people that want to, you know, you can't have like toxic folks. Right. So I think that's, you know, probably point one is making sure that people are culture additive. But I think for me, it's better communicate as as the team grows, better communication about our priorities is something that I'm working on, you know, more frequent communication about those priorities, you know, just so people feel aligned. And then I think that people want to feel seen for their contribution. And the larger the team, the, the harder it is for me to personally see every little contribution, but every little contribution really does matter. And so I'm really encouraging more shout outs, and we're gonna be actually rewarding people that get shout-outs, but also people that give shout-outs. And I'm really trying to encourage the, that my manager level to give those shout-outs. So I can see like, like and we got one this morning where they built a whole new page in MediaFly, which is our sales engagement platform that has all the information that sales needs about all of our customer marketing programs and Little thing, kind of, but not really super important. Like if sales and CS don't know all the things we're doing, that's a problem. And, you know, this individual took that as an initiative and went and built it. And like, I wouldn't have known about that, right? So, so we're just trying to really be mindful of getting in a better habit around that. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, it's funny. Being grouchy, I think, is a habit you know, I have teenagers and sometimes we have to course correct. I'm like, you can't just like hang around and be grouchy just because you're a teenager. Like that's not okay. Some
0: adults are grouchy and you need to course correct.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like you take an hour in your room and like whatever, but in the common areas of this house, like you gotta be upbeat. You know, you can't bring everybody down.
0: (laughs) Send them to the local Trader Joe's.
1: They're yeah, exactly. all
0: really enthused. <laughs> right.
1: I want I want more Trader Joe's employees. Um they're awesome. So but but yeah, so I don't know. I wish I had a Let's just say I'm open to all, any and all suggestions.
0: For the teenagers or for the Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but I think it does tie back to you got to wanna, right? That's where it begins. That's where it starts. And I think that's an important point. Okay. So 2023 just around the corner, um, I think when this episode will release, it's like really re- it's gonna be like days before the new year. So we're getting getting Latin A in 2022 for this episode. What are some goals that you're wanting to accomplish, either personal, professional, next year?
1: I've been at Six Sense four and a half years, and so in August was around my four year. And I had a conversation with myself (laughs) about this, like what, and I, at at the same time, you know, I read some Simon Sinek, who doesn't love Simon Sinek?
0: Everybody. Love a
1: good Simon Sinek, right? And he, he has this theory of the infinite game. And what the infinite game is about is the fact that we grow up with sports where there's defined rules and there's winners and losers, and there's a lot of clarity. But once you pop out into the working world, the, the rules change all the time. And you know, you have highs and lows, but you never really necessarily win. Maybe you're ahead, maybe you're behind. It's this infinite game that's like always going. And so I thought about that. I said, I need to figure out what makes me want to play. Because ultimately I might not win or lose date on a daily basis, but I gotta get up every morning and want to play. And so I think about that a lot, like what makes me want to play? And there's a few things. Like I I love building global markets. I love seeing the world. And so I've made that a priority. And you know, it's also a business priority for Sixth Sense. So it's not totally random, but You know, so, so getting out into our global markets is a big priority for me and makes me want to play that, that I get a lot of energy from diverse experiences. That's a big one. You know, I like our big lightning strikes. So again, coming back to focus, like let's cut some of the bits and bobs and make sure that we're, you know, getting to really focus on doing the big big stuff and thinking big. And I love learning. So I'm really trying to find ways to to learn new things. And I think PLG is going to be an exciting new learning for us this year. So it's more just what makes me want to play and thinking about that and, and thinking of it in, with that framing.
0: Yeah. And I think play is an important word. Like you never really want to stop playing you're a kid and it's cool to play. And for whatever reason, people think like it's not, play is not for when you get older, but it actually is because that's what keeps you enthused, you know, and excited about your next weeks and months and years. And why are you even doing it? Right? Exactly. So I love that you explain it that way. In the time we have left at the very end of my conversations, I like to ask my guests, do you have a question for me? So, me do you have a question for me?
1: How do you build a podcast audience? Of course you would ask me that.
0: (laughs) So when I started October 2020, put out my first episode, I had no audience. I didn't know where this was going. But I knew I wanted to do, I was like, this is the best way for me to put out content. Hands down. Just me talking to people once a week, maybe, you know, a couple times a week, record it. This makes a lot of sense. I'm going to do this. The thing that I think people don't spend enough time on, and I'm, sp- I- I'm spending a lot more time now that I'm getting into my season three, is the strategy behind what are you going to talk about? So it's not so much like, okay, where am I going to find people to listen to my show? It's like, what am I... Wh- Pulling the the energy, we talked about play and excitement, pulling that from your inner self. What are you going to talk about that you like love talking about, that you're going to want to talk about week after week after week that'll pull you in and that's going to help pull other people in too? So I think this this does tie back into the enthusiasm and the excitement and the energy, because I think people really do listen to the show because that comes through naturally, because I really enjoy the topics that I talk about. And how could I possibly do it week after week if I didn't? So spending time thinking through, like, what am I going to talk about? And the first conversations I had... I Like my very first conversation I had, I had a glass of wine. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but let's just start this. And I brought on a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of the most popular episodes, actually, episode one. And we chatted about marketing and about startups. And it just started from there. And then I started to mold and shape and listen also to like signals on LinkedIn. What are people talking? What about what are people interested in? So that's kind of how you grow your audience. You're, you, first, you start from within and you listen to like your, I don't know if you want to call it your soul or whatever, but you're like, what what would I be excited about? What do I want to know? You're doing it for yourself first. And then you put it out there and you're, you're listening to signals, just like what you talk about with Sixth Sense. You're listening to those signals and you're learning about what, what people are talking about in the space. But then you're coming back to yourself and, and thinking through like what it, what still gets me jazzed, right, to come back and ask these questions and learn more. So a lot of it is the actual content and then distributing, distributing it out. across. You know, I'm very focused. I'm just a one person show here. So I use LinkedIn. I talk about the show every single week, link back to it, have some video clips. And that's really how I did it. And now it's a top 10% podcast. So just me, right? I mean, it's me. It's not just me. You're on here, let right? So it's not just me, but I'm the one that's being strategic about it. I'm the one that's putting it out. I'm the one that's bringing the guests on. I'm the one asking the questions, right? So it's me plus, you know, if I bring on a guest, it's, it's that person too, so.
1: Well, I love it. You're doing a great job.
0: Oh, th- coming from you, that's a huge compliment. So- I super appreciate that. Are you guys going to start a podcast at Sixth Sense or?
1: Well, I have one, but it's a vodcast. And I think that screwed us up because it took too long to produce. What's a vodcast? Is that video? Yeah.
0: Oh, God. So you focused on the video first.
1: We focused on the video first. Okay. Did you go on YouTube? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe that was a mistake too, because then if you try to do a vodcast and make it a podcast, actually there's all these things that you're do, you know, the, the visuals that they don't get. And then that's not good. Like, I think that we just were trying to do too many things, but it actually has, it's been really popular. So I shouldn't say that it's like not working, but I, I want to, I took a break from it and I want to get back to it.
0: You'd be so good at it. I mean, I I want to listen to this podcast just to check it out. But you've got the, I mean, it's so great ta- chatting with you. You've got that energy. You've got that, you, the knowledge, right? The, the authority on stuff. So I could totally see you getting into it more.
1: Yeah. I think I got to bring it back. You told, you gave me some good advice because it's similar to like the book, like, people ask about the book. I said, well, I wrote a book that I wish I had. And I think the podcast to me, like I I'm, I'm working on our, our next season and it's, I'm interviewing people that I want to, I want to learn from them. I really can't wait to hear what they have to say. Like I, I, and so it's like, you kind of interview people that you know, have some knowledge that you want to learn too.
0: do it for yourself first. And if you do it for yourself first, and it's coming from that place of enthusiasm and wanting to learn and curiosity, then I think people will latch onto that and it will be more successful. But yeah, do the easy route first. Like the, I could see how that starting from video and trying to do a lot of things at once could be difficult.
1: It was like an in, it was like a studio. And I mean, they're beautifully done and the guests are awesome. But it also became, like, I have a guest list a mile long of people I want to talk to, but we have to fly to a studio. It just became, like, too much. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like we can just pop up the riverside and rock. So anyway, I gotta rethink my strategy. <laughs> no worries. If you ever want to chat about it, I'm
0: happy to happy to sit down and chat and let you know like all the steps I took. But I just wanna thank you, Latney. You have you're you've been awesome. This is the second time around and um, it's been great diving into some more questions with you. If anybody wants to reach Latney, you can do so on LinkedIn, Latney Kanant. and to find out more about Sixth Sense, you can go to sixcents.com. And I can't believe you're my neighbor. I love that so much. And I'll see you at Trader Joe's.
1: See you at Trader Joe's. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firminov, or go to my website, firminovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening.